Hello and welcome to season two of Inforum's Meet Him podcast. My name is Terry Barclay, and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Him podcast series introduces listeners to male leaders who share what they've learned about the value of diverse leadership in their companies and in their own leadership journeys. And I am just so thrilled that joining me today is Timothy Williams, <laughs> Vice President, Diversity and Inclusion at Meyer. Welcome, Tim, and thank you so much for joining me today. It is my pleasure, and thank you for having me. So, so we have a lot to talk about. So let's jump right in with something that's key to what you do. How do you define and communicate the differences between diversity, inclusion, and equity in your organization? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. We have been doing a fair amount of work in the last few years in helping people to understand not just what those terms mean, but how they apply to our journey in this space. So we have spent the last year I'd say the last three years really focusing on what diversity and inclusion mean. And so we define diversity as really the things that make us unique, quite frankly, the characteristics, the traits, the experiences, everything that is personal to us that defines our being and our existence. And inclusion is really um, taking all of those uh, diverse experiences, diverse individuals, and ensuring that they all feel welcome, supported, and valued, and are meaningfully engaged in what we are doing and what our culture is and, and who we are. So we like to say diversity is the mix and inclusion is making that mix work here at Meyer. Mm. Well, you know, and maybe we should just take a minute to talk to us about Meyer. I feel like everybody knows Meyer, right? But I, I, I think, you know, the company's been growing so quickly and really your response during the pandemic um, in particular, I know that, that those of us who are customers and quite frankly, residents and citizens really appreciate so much everything Meyer's done, but it's a very diverse and very large uh, organization. Yes, I, I would agree. We are a large, what I, I like to call the big box format, and we sell groceries and general merchandise. We're in six states with 250 plus locations. We have a couple what we call market format sites that are a little bit smaller, just focus on grocery, that are more community-based. Uh, supply chain operations, manufacturing operations, so pretty large entity, so to speak, but you know, really excited and proud of the work that we have done in our communities, both in keeping our team members and our community safe, but also being able to provide the goods and services that people need to weather through this pandemic. And we continue to do that work and look forward to showing up in that space. Well, <clears throat> I know that the that the Meyer at which I shop has just done an outstanding job. It's just been, uh, and we're all we're also grateful that you've continued to do that work. Um, so so, but back to our our topic. Um, uh, 
What can a male ally do, you know, in a practical way on a day-to-day basis to encourage and facilitate diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, I would say, I think a male ally really needs to focus and understand on I think a male ally needs to focus on engagement. And if you can create engagement and make everyone feel like they belong in that space, it drives high performing teams. And that high performance, everybody gets excited about. No one wants to underperform. And so if we can, as as allies, can learn to create inclusive and engaging environments, we can drive outcomes and increase everyone's performance. Uh, and it's, it's, it's actually more difficult than it, than it actually sounds, but part of it is sort of stepping outside of yourself and understanding that everybody's an individual and everybody brings their own unique experience to the table. And part of your job as a leader and as an ally is to create space for people to bring their true authentic self to work and feel truly, truly engaged. And uh, it's difficult. It's not something that comes lightly and it takes a lot of work, quite frankly. And I think a lot of leaders, particularly as of late, are really understanding that uh, you have to put the time in to try to develop that skill set. I, I was just going to say, you know, I, I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about what that secret sauce is. I, I imagine that part of it, a big part of it is trust. You know, people talk about trust as sort of the a key element of leadership. Are, so are there some, um, how do you go about building trust uh, amongst colleagues? How have, you, how have you done that in the past, especially where there are differences um, and why do you think it worked? Yeah, so uh, part of the work that we've been doing as of late, we've been on a truly human leadership journey here at Meyer for several years. And the work that we have done as of late related to diversity, equity, and inclusion is really an extension of that. Um, and what I say when, what I mean when I say a truly human leadership journey, we have really tried to focus on our leaders understanding what it means to inspire, listen, and connect with their teams. And in order to truly do that, you have to know, first of all, what motivates you, and then actually make an investment in time uh, and energy to learn and understand about your team. And that goes beyond, hey, we got to do a job, do the job, and then leave. And so that work to try to understand your purpose, your why statement, to bring that to the table, to lead with vulnerability, to show caring, um, to really sort of create an environment where people do feel comfortable bringing their authentic self all contributes to that, that, that concept of trust that, that, that you mentioned and that you speak about. So um, we have a model that we try oh. to win. I love those. <laughs> We have a model that we try to leverage uh, when we talk about managing differences and managing through diverse situations and creating inclusion. We want to acknowledge people's differences and understand how people want to be seen. 
we want to manage our own biases around that because we all have them, whether we acknowledge it or not. We all have a bias for or against situations, people, uh, based on how we grew up, where we grew up, shared experience, lived experience, heard about experiences. And then once we understand what that bias is, we have to make a choice about how we're going to show up as leaders. And doing that work, applying that model as we lead helps to accomplish what it is we define as being a, a, a true inspiring leader. You know, I, I love um, the concept of unconscious bias. I, I know we've been talking about it for so many years, <clears throat> but I think that um, we are, as you said, we all have bias and um, many times we're not aware of it. And so I think it is a process of, of going through the, doing the work, you know, doing the work to do whatever we can to identify, you know, what that, what those might be so they don't become blind spots. Um, you know, because it is very much a product of where we've, you know, how we've grown up, you know, what, what background we've come from. Um, and how wonderful that you're giving people permission to do that, you know, to sort of talk about, I think, you know, bring it out in the openness part of it, right? It is, it truly is. And I think the events of the current news cycle, uh, the events of this past summer have really forced a lot of people to step outside their comfort zone and learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that is really the work that it takes for us to understand other people's perspectives and really you know, not necessarily change how you go to market, but understand how you go to market. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I tell people all the time, it is not my goal from a diversity, equity and inclusion perspective to make you uh, act differently uh, in, your, in your personal life. Uh, but I do believe it is my responsibility to challenge you to make you think differently about how you show up in, in, in our workspace. Because we have a set of values, we have a, a purpose statement, we have a why about what we do and, and how we do it. And that is to enrich the lives in the, in the communities that we serve, we believe that our values, one of our five values is family and dignity and respect is rooted in, in that. And we wanna treat everyone with dignity and respect. And if you can't come to work, understand who we are and what that expectation is and deliver on that, then that's a problem for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you do outside of your workspace, we can't control, but how you show up when you're here, that's important to us. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like <clears throat> you might be able to share a time when you've learned, you personally have learned a tough leadership lesson that you might appreciate more in hindsight than you might have at the time. I know I have a number of those, but <laughs> is there a story? Oh, oh there, yeah, well, there's several. I try to think back, uh, you know, I was a practicing attorney for 20 some odd years. And for the first seven or eight or so, I worked in private practice which is a very different dynamic. Most of the people that I led as a partner in a law firm were associates who were dependent on me to provide them with work, 
and same thing with paralegals uh, and the work that they did, they were eager and happy to get. And so most of the people showed up with the same type of work style and the same type of sort of dogged determination about what was what. And there were a lot of sort of clear lines about this is black, this is white, this is what we do, this is how we do it, this is how we show up. When I transitioned into corporate America and led my first team of lawyers and paralegals and admins, I had that same sort of mentality about, hey, this is black, this is white, this is what's expected, this is how you show up, and these are the rules. And it was basically what I called the ABCs of me, right? And if you were going to get along and if you were going to be successful under my leadership, you had to be exactly like me. And I, I suffered uh, in that environment a little bit. I maybe lost some people that I probably should have figured out how to keep because surrounding myself with people who thought exactly like me only ensured that I got the same outcomes that I could get if I was the only one who was doing all the thinking. Ah. So I, like I've since learned to surround myself with people who I truly believe are smarter than me. Uh, whether they are or not doesn't matter to me because I don't have to be the smartest person in the room for us to be effective. Mm-hmm. What I need are people who can do the things that I don't do well, challenge me in places where I need to be challenged, and can push the final finished product in a way that I may necessarily not may not be able to or don't necessarily focus on for myriad reasons. Uh, but I want a team that makes the end result better, not a group of people who think, act, respond exactly the same way I do. So that ABC is a me piece. I've <laughs> definitely moved beyond, and I'm using the whole alphabet now. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I find fascinating about that story, Tim, is that there are a number of other guests on this podcast who I who have told a similar story that it was really sort of a turning point for them and an aha moment or what, however you want to characterize it when they realized that it was so much more powerful to go beyond their comfort zone and surround themselves with, with people like themselves, that it was like light bulbs going off and that their careers, they really started to have more impact. Um, Yeah. I, 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 I truly believe it. And, uh, I tell people all the time now, I think the measure of your success as a leader is not how much product or excellence you can drive using your own two hands, but how you can influence, develop, and lead others to create that same level of excellence without you having to actually touch it. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So, so I have one more question for you in in this section. Are there any blogs or podcasts or other media that you engage with to generate new ideas? Well, I'm constantly challenging myself in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. So I'm doing a lot of reading and listening to books. I'm I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell, and I want to. I think I've, he's written. I want to say six books, and I've probably read five, and a couple of them I read twice. I'm reading um, "Talking to Strangers." Ah, uh-huh. yeah. What we should know about the people we don't know. 
I read it in 2019, and then I read it. I started to read it again this this uh, this past uh, past couple of months or so, in light of some of the social injustice and civil unrest pieces that took place over the summer, and the Sandra Bland incident in particular. So that has just sort of been intriguing to me. I like to challenge myself in that regard. Uh, the Color of Law, or Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America by Richard Rothstein is a fantastic read. So my, my law background continues to influence the way I think about the world and how I process it. And let's see, a couple of po- uh, there's a podcast that I'm really, uh, I thought was pretty interesting. I really spoke to uh, education and uh, segregation in America. It's called Nice White Parents, and it examines well-intended parents, uh, white parents in particular, and school integration in, in, in cities. So a lot of nonfiction stuff that continues to drive my awareness around some of the uh, inequities that exist in our communities and understanding the history behind them so that we can work to try to avoid it, some of those issues as we move forward and build a better community for all. Uh, thank you so much for those recommendations. Um, I've heard of two of the three. In fact, Talking with Strangers is on my nightstand right now. So, um, oh, really? I, well, you know, we're in a time mm-hmm. where I think we all need to challenge ourselves. Um, every single day uh, to um, reach out to those and to to interact and to listen and to understand um, is such a polarizing time. And yeah. we, uh, we really need to double down, I think, our efforts in that regard. So thank you for those recommendations. We'll be sure to put those up on our website along um, with you know, with, with this podcast. So um, before you go, can you share with us a story about how you used, or even a time when you wish you'd used a key leadership competency and why that matters? Okay. Good question. So the work that I do at Meyer from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective is extremely important to the the organization. It is a business imperative for us. It's not a program. It's not an initiative. We truly believe and buy into the business case for diversity and inclusion, which is that it drives superior outcomes, superior innovation, uh, uh, superior collaboration, and, and we want all of those outcomes. But I jokingly tell people all the time, I have a ton of responsibility here at Meyer, but absolutely zero authority. <laughs> and, and, and it's true. I, I, I do not have the ability to go into the office of my senior vice president, chief merchant, and say, we need to do X. Or to my head of logistics and say, we need to do Y. Or same thing for properties or legal, or government relations, HR, all of my senior vice president levels. And the only way I can be successful is by managing relationships and instilling trust and leveraging influence to get people to buy in and understand the business case for what it is that we do 
and how it helps drive us to success. And when we can get that level of buy-in, we drive diversity and inclusion at Meyer by focusing on our teams, our customers, and our community. So we're trying to show up in all those spaces, and I'm doing that again without a hammer. It, or gun <laughs> or any other tool. <laughs> or maybe, maybe the Vulcan mind meld. I don't yeah, know. No. I wish I had the Vulcan. If you know anything <laughs> about the Vulcan mind meld, put that up in <laughs> this podcast. I'll definitely read that. Um, but being able to build good relationships, to, to, to build consensus and still trust and get people to buy into what we are doing and help them to be successful. I think speaks to a number of competencies that help not only me, but this organization to do well from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective. And, and by the way, we're not, we're not 100%. We're not where we want to be ultimately, but it's about the journey for us and we're committed to it. And uh, the travel has been fantastic thus far. <sighs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Tim, and for sharing those hard-won insights. Um, we really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. So that wraps up our podcast. Please come back to inforummichigan.org for more opportunities to meet him, including the Season 1 Library. And while you're there, check out the other virtual inform components, including Meet Her, a podcast series in which female leaders share lessons from their own leadership journeys and how they put those lessons to use today. You'll also find a growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and a series of virtual events. Thank you so much for joining us today.